What's up, guys? I cannot wait to share the best news ever. Guess what? Our next collective is starting on January 10th, and there is still a couple days to get in your early bird special, $50 off with coupon code EARLYAF. Use that. You have two more days to sign up and join us. We are going January 10th to March 16th, meeting every Monday and Wednesday night, covering the entire task list with you, making it real, raw, and relatable, and funny AF as always. Go sign up at www.studynotesaba.com. We cannot wait to see you. Love you. Mean it. Study Notes ABA. ABA and a little X-rated away. It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are here with episode 106. Casey, what do you have for us today, Queen? I've got a good one today. Actually, you came up with it and gave it to me, to be honest. So, all right, one. That's why it's good and I agree. <laughs> why don't you take over the rhymes, okay? So it's 106. I'm sure during your supervision, there was things you wish you could fix. Nice. Boom. I'm sure a lot of you guys, once you became BCBAs, or even when you started studying for your test, when you started learning what a supervisor is supposed to do, that's when it's like, holy shit, I wish I would have known that beforehand and I could fix a lot of things about my supervision. That's why this rhyme was so good today because that is probably one of our most common things people tell us is like, I had the shittiest supervision experience when I was going for my BCBA or BCABA. So we have, this is obviously what we're talking about today. You know, we like to keep in the theme, even though we peanut butter and jelly all the time. We know we get off task, but YOLO. But before we get started, let's hear our, or Casey's, review of the day, because she only picks the reviews that are about her. If you know anything about Casey, the movie's about her. So let's hear if she does anything for the both of us, or one that's like, Casey, I just love your smile. Let's hear. Casey, what do you have for us today? Um, Actually, it's not about me today, so that's good. I'm glad I didn't pick one about me. Awkward. Um, This comes in from a guy, Keith W. Oh my God, is this Keith from our collective? (laughs) But it's actually Keith U, not W. I don't know. I just had dyslexia for a second. I don't think it's Keith from the collective, but if it is Keith, love you. Miss you. All right. It is Keith. Hi, Keith. I know. I did flirt with him a lot. Okay. Anyways. He titled it Perfect Accessory, five stars. I just heard about your podcast from the Controversial Exchange podcast. Um, From that point, I started listening. It was an adjustment for me. I'm a tad older than you guys. I'm 50. We don't discriminate against age. Your ability to use everyday situations to describe and teach various aspects of behavior analysis is unmatched. It took me a few years to get all my supervision hours completed, four years, then a couple of months studying using your app, your various YouTube videos, and the podcast. And I passed my BCBA exam first try on November 3rd. I credit you two for helping me see behavior analysis everywhere. I recommend your podcast to everyone I meet. Thank you, Keith. So I don't know. I don't think it's Keith because Keith took our collective. So he didn't mention that. But anyways, Keith, you, thank you and love you mean it. We're so excited we could help you get through this. Tess, that's such a beast. Um, Congratulations. Welcome to the other side, BCBA. BCB, yay. All right. Get your box, your BCBA, yay box. All right. So let's just get a little bit about what exciting things you've been up to. I will literally take two minutes because we have not one, not two, but three guests on today. So if you want to think about 
five women, one podcast. That sounds like a lot of talking over each other. So we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> Casey and I already speak over each other every second. But the one thing I want to announce that it might seem small, like literally small to you guys, but there has been a product that study notes that has been the biggest bitch to create of my entire life. And it's our Cooper third edition tabs. If you don't know what this is, that's fine. If you know what it is and you have a Cooper book, you know how sexy it is when your book is tabbed up the side. I decided that I was gonna take it on to make Cooper tabs that were pre-labeled with directions exactly how to make your book look sexy. First of all, I'm not detail oriented and I know in ABA we're supposed to be technological and make everything idiot proof and a task analysis that's so detailed, which is already hard for me in English, but try doing it in Chinese because we were working with overseas and the product is finally here. Uh, I want to know how many months. times it came wrong. Um, so the first time we got the tabs, I had no writing on it. I was like, okay, wait. So and each <laughs> sample you get is like a couple hundred dollars. We got these samples back. There's no writing. I'm like, oh, well, then I could have just ordered like plain Avery tabs. Cool. Then the next time I get them back, there's the packaging actually looks good, but the tabs are not sticky, see-through, <laughs> or... <laughs> So not no stick, no see-through, and um, out of order, yeah. <laughs> different color. So I'm like, then third time was what? It was um, looked good, but the packaging was off, right? <laughs> no, then it yeah, third time packaging was off. I mean, so these have been 11 months to make this tiny pack <laughs> of tabs, and this is not yeah. supposed to be an ad. I mean, obviously, if you want to get them, get them. But this is just something that I cannot tell you how effing happy I am to have them here like one and a half months from start to finish of a product till you could actually hold it in your hand. And so that has been a huge relief this week. Uh, that is like negative reinforcement, if ever I thought of it, of getting rid of an aversive task. So that's exciting. What we've been up to, Casey and I have been you know, we pass on struggles. We pass the struggle baton. Like she's dealing with shit, then I'm dealing with shit. She's dealing with shit. One of us and always has to be on, but it is so funny because it's, it is that truth that on the days that she's struggling, I'm like my best. And on the days that I'm struggling, she's her best. I don't know if it's just like, you feel that a connection with each other that like, I know, like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, something's off. Like, and then I'm like, but I'm feeling great today. I'm on fire and I'm going to crush the day. And like, she's like, <laughs> like, I'm having a really rough day. I'm like, that's okay. I got this. And then when I have a rough day, she's like, oh, I am on fire. I'm going to teach the collective on my own. I'm doing everything. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to curl into a ball. <laughs> so, but some days we're, we're both, we're both on fire. But yeah, so today's guests are three amazing badass women in the field. I'm going to do a very, very, very short introduction because I'd rather have them do it because I could just read out of this book and it would just take forever and you guys would be bored and probably turn the podcast off. So first we have Hannah Jurgens. She's the BCBA. We love her. We've followed her for a long time. If you might've listened to the episode we did with Shane Spiker and her, she's amazing. Um, they got a lot of money raised for the RBTs during COVID. Um, so we have her. We also have Dr. Carly Cordova. Um, she's a BCBAD in the house. Yep. And last but not least, we have Dr. Ilema Cruz. Um, and she is here as well. The three of these ladies have been up to some crazy stuff in the field. And they have produced 
a product that is amazing. We're going to talk all about it today. It is called dun, 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 the ABA Supervision Handbook, a guide to quality fieldwork experience. Okay. I am telling you, they sent this to me and truth be told, they sent me two. I was supposed to send it to Liat and I have not. I dropped the ball. Um, I know Liat did tell them that the truth finally. <laughs> I'm like, pretend that you got it. I'm the worst. But I was planning to go to Texas and bring it to her anyways whatever. The book is amazing. And it's something that I wish I had when I was in my supervision. Um, it would have been like instrumental in my learning. Um, it's unreal. I'm gonna let them talk about it. But first, maybe Hannah, you start and tell a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you guys a little bit since I did not do a in-depth bio. My one of my passions is supervision of students. So in my current role at Positive Behavior Supports, I work as their uh, regional clinical training coordinator, and I oversee all of the mentorship experiences of the students. And it brings me so much joy and was where the book ideas kind of came from, just hearing the frustrations from students, from supervisors and trying to figure out why we don't have something like this in our field yet. All right. And then the next amazing woman that we have here is Dr. Carly. Carly, tell us about yourself. Hi. So um, I started in the field back in um, the late 90s. My youngest brother was on the spectrum and I had um, just finished my master's in psychology and um, took a job working in the field of autism, thinking I knew what I was doing. Of course, I knew nothing um, and just found it immediately. So just profound that the changes that I saw in children almost immediately and um, decided to go back to school to study behavior analysis. Um, I really feel grateful that I found something I'm so excited about and just love so much at, at such um, a young age. So I've been in the field for a long time and um, was in the field long before supervision was you know formalized or systematic like it is now. So I've seen quite a change, um, I think, both in the training of people uh, as behavior analysts, but also in, you know, the delivery service model through registered behavior technicians and just behavior assistants, there's been quite a shift from the time I started in the field. Um, and I've, you know, had the opportunity to work at university settings and clinical settings, uh, home services, group homes. So quite an age range. I really love middle school age. Um, I've done quite a bit of work like on menstrual care and some really functional life skills or things I'm really excited about and, and love to help people with, you know, kind of real life problems um, is what I like to do, as well as a lot of ethics and supervision, because I care a lot about outcomes for our clients. And if we have an effective supervision uh, for the supervisees coming through the field, it ultimately leads to bad outcomes for clients. So that's my interest in doing the supervision piece. I love that. Well, you're the only person I've heard being excited about their period. That's awesome. <laughs> it was a really weird roundabout way that I got interested in. I mean, I don't even know if interest is the right word there, but it was a problem. It was a problem I just kept encountering when I was doing school consultation in middle schools. The teachers were like, well, it's not my job. I'm the teacher. It's the nurse. The nurse is like, it's not my job. That's an OT issue. It's the OT. No no one wants to deal with it. So it was, it was really interesting. I mean, I guess actually it could be exciting for some people. Never mind. So- Forget what I said. It was, I was just being. Yeah, it's just like head. one of those real world problems that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about, but, you know, 50% of the population menstruates. So, you know, someone has yeah. to do it. So, true that. Awesome. All right. And then um, we have Dr. Ulema Cruz. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited to be here, by the way. Thank you for having me. Um, I started in this field in the early 2000s, so I have a bit over 20 years of experience. Um, 
I initially was a psychology and pre-med mayor, um, but once ABA found me, that was it. Uh, I fell in love with the science of behavior and I've been in love ever since. Um, currently, I am a faculty at Rutgers University, go Scarlet 98, and <laughs> I, I just started in August. I'm very excited about this position. Um, but I've, I've always been interested in supervision, and I had um, the immense pleasure of working alongside Carly at Nova Southeastern University some years ago. I'm not going to say how many because I'm not that old. <laughs> Neither is Carly. Um, and um, I remember how we had to create systems for supervision from scratch. Uh, back then you were deemed a supervisor as soon as you received your certification in the mail, right? You had to wait 45 days. That's how old yeah. I guess I no. just gave it away. Never mind. No, I was there too. You had to wait 45 days and you're like stressing and like shitting your pants every day until you get that refresh, refresh, refresh the gateway and it crashes and you're like, oh, so yeah. We never got a gateway. Oh, we no. had to wait for it in the mail. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. <laughs> All right, I love this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just kidding. Fossil. Just kidding. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. Um, so as soon as you received your certification in the mail, you were deemed a supervisor and then you were given um, responsibilities over these students. And we found ourselves asking, what are we going to do with these students? What are they supposed to learn in their first 500 hours, second, third, when it used to be 1500, right? That put privilege is ending soon. Um, and so we found ourselves going back to our resources and drawing activities that we always thought were pertinent for practicum that we, um, from our experience, could tell, okay, this is what somebody brand new to the field or a brand new student needs to learn. Um, and so we created a uh, the beginnings of the supervision system back in 2009 I want to say mm -hmm. uh, with three other colleagues at Nova Southeastern University it was a mixture of um, competencies and work products where the students were evaluated live and provided with actual hard scores of their performance uh, that served both as a means of evaluation and also teaching. And the students had those permanent products that they could show to their potential employers or other supervisors later on uh, to account for their mastery of specific skills. We divided it into three modules. Um, we started to write the book and then everybody went on to doing their doctorate and that was the end of that. Yeah, I bet that's a lot of work. Yeah. So we're lucky that um, Hannah sort of revived this project for us with her fabulous idea of doing a supervision book that looks like the Ables. Um, and thank you um, to the original authors of the Ables, as we all know, uh, Sundberg and Partington in 1998. So we do pay homage to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, for coming up with a structure that um, also served us for, you know, putting out this product. Um, 
During our work at NOVA, we also had the opportunity uh, not only to do supervision, but also to um, train the students in actual classrooms for children with autism. So all of that experience from educational settings, our students were pretty lucky to acquire. Um, Carly was also a pioneer on a very hefty grant that the university got through uh, the dental school where she trained um, dental residents. So these were already doctors, right, in dentistry, but they were doing their specialty in um, pediatric dentistry. And they um, got training from Carly on how to utilize ABA strategies to prevent the use of chemical or mechanical restraints, such as the papoos that we know that they use all the time and that mm-hmm. we're not the most comfortable with. Um, <laughs> yep. So, um, after Carly um, decided to focus on her doctorate, then I came into the picture and a lot of the tools that she developed uh, were very successful. So I'm thankful that I also got to work on that project that Carly initiated. I know she doesn't talk about it very much, but she knows how to train dentists amazing. To, be, to successfully work with individuals with children, in this case with autism, without the use of chemical or, or mechanical restraints. Wow. Um, I love Yulema. Yulema is like my best hype girl. (laughs) (laughs) You need one of those. Everyone needs a hype girl. Yeah, seriously. Who knew? That is amazing. That's so cool, Carly. BCBAs and BCABAs, we've got some exciting CEUs to tell you all about. Our next CEU coming out is on December 18th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we have BCBA Angela coming in to talk about being a BCBA in public schools. They don't know what the hell your letters mean, what these different words you're talking about, extinction, reinforcement. All they want you to do is fix a problem. And by they, I mean the teachers or any of the school staff. If this is something that you are dealing with, either you're thinking about becoming a BCBA in a school, you're interested to know what BCBAs in school do, or you want help on how to pair and get buy-in from the staff you're working with, this is going to be an awesome CEU for you to attend. You will get three CEU credits, and you can check this out and sign up for this event at ceu.studynotesaba.com. Hope to see you there. So I want to like, and might be kind of jumping around here, but what I, I, I want listeners, if you're out there and you're, you know, an RBT, right. Or you're going for your BCBA, you're in your coursework, you're in your master's, right. If you're a BCBA, there's different levels of supervision when it comes to supervising your RBTs versus supervising your, um, candidates that are going for their BCBA. Right. So after going through this book, I was like realizing in my head, I'm like, I always say in my head, clearly I wasn't realizing thinking in my head, um, that, it could be used for both. And it's such a great tool for any um, supervisee or um, a supervisor to use for their RBTs to kind of, not to the extent the book is, but it can be helpful for both. So Hannah, do you want to maybe talk about a little bit about the difference of the supervision and how it can be used for both? 
So the book is designed for students, but what we already know too is that the majority of students um, have their RBT credentialing as well. Mm -hmm. And we decided to kind of double dip in that and make the RBT foundational skills. So anything that's labeled in blue, we've we've designated as a foundational skill, which means you got to know it. Carly is, or yeah, Carly's showing it in blue right there for you guys. Perfect. Um, and so that's the place to start for anybody who is a student, because as an RBT, these are the foundational skills, no matter if you're pursuing full degree or you're staying with your RBT credentialing. And it's basic stuff. So like making sure you can read a graph, making sure you can take data, making sure you can understand the basic terminology. Uh, because what we found is that if the students aren't getting that firm foundation, just like with curricular assessments and things like that, if you go too high without building your foundation, everything's going to crumble or you're just not going to get that data moving as fast as you'd like it to when you think of skill acquisition and rate of fluency. Mm-hmm. So by creating the foundational skills, we've given everybody that base minimum of that at starting level, a student and RBT should be right here, which makes it really easy on supervisors like me when I'm trying to decide, you know, where is my student at? Where is my RBT at and how do I score your competency assessments accurately and appropriately versus just seeing you on my case? You might know how to work with my client because I trained you on that. But when you think of an RBT, they're seeing we want a broad scheme of skills that they're competent in. So it helps us create a better way of tracking broad scheme competency for RBTs. So I want to just real quick go like to anyone listening and they're like, Okay, I, you got it. First, you have to order the book. It's amazing. If you're in the field at all, you need to order it. But I want to give an example of like what she's talking about. So, a foundational skill, right? In this, um, their competency assessment. So, I know that no one has time to create this shit. That is just the truth, right? So, it's created for you. But, like, one example is like, all right, so B4, right, is broken down B4A, B4B is um, a skill that an RBT needs to know. It's define and provide examples of positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. So, there's that's the task name. Then there's they give you an objective, right? So the supervisee defines and provides accurate examples of positive reinforcement. Same with negative. The next column, they give you an actual question. Okay. Can the supervisee define and provide accurate examples? Can they do it? Right. Ask them that. Can you tell me an example? Then they actually give you an example, right? To use, which is awesome. So this example for positive is answering Zoom calls, which increases the number of Zoom call invites in the future giving a small toy at the end of a dental visit. I wonder if Carly wrote this, which increases attendance and dental visits. Then they give you the criteria, right? So step one, supervisee will define, identify, and exemplify the terms with BCBA prompts. The two, this is how you're going to score them. So that's with prompts. Two, the supervisee will define and identify the terms within a program protocol independent of BCBA prompts, okay? And three, supervisee will provide examples of each of the items independently. So it's just idiot proof, really. It is like amazing for what you need to assess any of your students, any of your RBTs, or your people studying to become BCBAs. So I just want to give that one like so they can see. And that's for the entire task list. First of all, Casey, F you for not sending me my copy yet. <laughs> I, I even I even gave you like prepaid shipping like from Snaba. So like you literally are a lazy ass. No offense. Second of all, that's unreal because yeah. I know my biggest struggle um, when I was working in the clinic and even when I was doing remote supervision after, this idea of 
okay, now I'm supposed to make the assignment for them to do to make sure they have this. But like, dude, I got kids. Like I got to answer to insurance for these clients that I'm in, I'm responsible for seeing. So I really just want to make sure, you know, like you're, you're kind of having to choose like where am I going to allocate my time? Well, you know, I do I have this time to be making up these assignments to make sure they know what a, you know, I mean, I, I'm thinking there's – definitely got to be more difficult concepts in there as well, aside from positive reinforcement. Like, do I have time for that? Or am I just trying to make sure they know how to implement this specific protocol that we need for our client? So I I just think this is so amazing. Carly, go ahead. On the um, example you just gave on positive reinforcement. So when we look at the task list, those things are together. And so we thought it was important to break those apart, which is why it's like A, B, C, it's broken down because you could be really good at positive reinforcement and not understand the concept of negative reinforcement. But on the task list, that's the same item, for example. So we broke those down so that each thing could really be taught and measured, right, for competency because we're really focused on competency where the the rubber meets the road. We want to create good practitioners. We're not trying to create people who pass tests. That's not our particular goal. We, we're looking at creating ethical, um, efficient, you know, um, professionals who are going to bring up the whole field. Um, the other thing I want to mention is in the scoring criteria, when you had mentioned number one with prompts, it was really important to us that supervisors are actively training their supervisees. And it's not like, yeah, I saw you check. You can do it. But it it's all, puts the onus on the supervisor. It is part of our job, our role as a supervisor to provide the training. And so most of the criteria is written in that manner where with prompts, because we want the supervisor to take an active role to provide the supervision. And then we fade out that supervision where the scoring code number four um, in one that's rated one through four is it's done independently because then we provided the training. Not just, yes, I saw that you can do it, but I participated. Nilema, you're up. This is how we're doing it. We're raising hands, guys. You can't see this, but the Brady Bunch behind the scenes are these boxes. These women are smart. They're like, my turn, hand raise. (laughs) Thank you. So to piggyback off of what Carly was saying, you would not believe the number of um, ethics hotline inquiries that I get on this very issue. I haven't seen my supervisor in two months. My supervisor hasn't uh, signed my hours in three weeks. I haven't been observed by my supervisor in this long. It is pretty much, I, I would say pretty close to weekly. Wow. I get that inquiry from supervisees through the ethics hotline. And, um, if I can plug the ethics hotline here for a little bit, yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, please know that the ethics hotline exists. It is out there. It is a free service that we all provide for our field. We are all volunteers, so there is no monetary conflict of interest for anybody who works through the hotline. We are not the ethics police, as we will never report you, number one, because we are bound by confidentiality, and number two, because you need firsthand information in order to report, and we will never have firsthand information from anybody who submits an inquiry. But to Carly's point, um, going back, it's very important that the supervisor engages in the actual task of supervision and mentorship and teaching um, to avoid what I call, um, typically what I call drive-by supervision. So Hannah, I know you were raising your hand very nicely. (laughs) 
Also, yes. before Hannah goes, can you tell people where they can access the so-called ethics hotline? Does this have anything to do with emailing Bailey and Birch or is this some other company so, or something going on just so people it, listening know about this? It's a website, abaethicshotline.com. Mm-hmm. That's I the name of the, the website. Time. Yeah, you just go, just just put the address, abaethicshotline.com on your browser. You'll see the website. You'll see all of our pictures. And then you click a button where it says submit your inquiry. And they go straight to the source, Dr. John Bailey. And uh, then one of us consultants um, typically answers the questions or Dr. Bailey himself. I typically answer all the ones related to supervision. So really quick story here. Um, I have submitted to the ethics hotline. I didn't know Elama then. I just knew John and Bailey and it was for the podcast. And it was about, I don't know if who, John answered me, but it was, we were asking about, this is back when we used to do like, when we were very starting and we had all these people wanting to do like advertisements with us. Now we just do study notes, but there was a person who was, uh, wanted to advertise their CBD, like oils. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I mean, it's not weed, but it's like teetering. So we emailed and John, his response was amazing. It was like, I mean, like you could, if you have to, but ask yourself, like, do you really need that advertisement? And I was like, amazing. No, we don't really need that advertisement. Thank you very much. It was a perfectly simple response that just made me question. Yeah, we don't. No, you're right. Like, and so it was just a cool interaction that I had with the ethics hotline. So if any of you guys are out there, like this is it exists. I've used it. They get back to me. It's real. Like Bailey got back to me in like 24 hours. It was just like very straightforward. Right. I was like a little scared and nervous and he was just like easy. So yeah, absolutely. All right, Hannah, you're up. No, I was going to piggyback off of this idea of holding supervisors accountable. Um, for one of my roles that I do for my work is I oversee supervisors, which is going to be a big deal in January when new BCBAs cannot provide supervision without the veteran supervision from a five plus year analyst. So one of the things that we started thinking about and when when the book started brewing in my brain and until the point where it was so annoying, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And then I was like, I'm not smart enough to do it. I need doctors. So I called my girlfriends who happened to both be doctors and they're like, yes, this is good. We're going to do it. So we did. Um, and then, of course, pandemic happened. We're like, what are we doing? <laughs> but we we wanted to make sure, you know, if I'm going to put my credential onto another person's credential that they are shaping the future credential of another individual. That's a lot of levels of like, you remember playing telephone in elementary and you say, you know, you the first word is the apple fell out of the tree. And by the time it gets to the 15th person, all of a sudden they're like, the dog fucked a cat. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> that no, this is third grade. This is not where this went. I don't, there's that was me. That was me so, changing it. Yeah. That was totally me. Yeah, I think it was. So in my mind, I'm like, this is going to happen to our field. It's going to be, you know, like a really great analyst. They've trained a semi-good analyst. And now that semi-good analyst is going to train an okay analyst. I'm like, it's just going to turn ABA to, to shit, really. And we wanted to avoid that. So by having this, I, as a veteran supervisor, that five plus year supervisor, I also now have a tangible item to say, hey, Stacy. You have the technician and student, Joni. Can I see her manual? Can I look at that and just see where you guys are at? Tell me about their, her skills. Tell me about where this person is with you know, their 
their skill acquisition tell them where show me where they're at with graphing and you actually have a tangible item to track it versus me just talking to a supervisor and then saying yeah we're doing good i mean operationally defined good. Um, so we loved this idea that this is going to be that sturdy mechanism as we tear out supervision requirements, which can be really scary. Yeah. Just, uh, I was going to say the cover of the book, when you look at the, um, you know, we call it the black book, um, just to be a little cheeky and sexy, but the image of the connectivity between those dots is just what um, Hannah was speaking of is like that supervisee, if they supervisor, if they do a shitty job, their supervisee will only be able to provide shitty supervision to their supervisee. And it creates and has literally created this field of mediocrity. There is this half-assed watered down version of ABA going on all over the place. It's really quite disgusting. And when people are advocating for themselves for not having, you know, socially valid, you know, consent, consented services, I agree with them. I think a lot of people haven't. And it it starts from the top down. It starts with having good supervision because you're going to emulate the supervision that you received. And so that image of the book is that connectivity and how easily that can spread across the field. What do you guys think, just talking about this, because I totally agree. Like, I think it's, you know, because I'm very medicated and... uh, (laughs) And in the hospital a lot with a lot of health issues. Like I give a lot of examples comparing it to, you know, medicine. So like I'm often talking in in class and the collective, I'll I'll compare things that like, you know, we're prescribed, like we may not be prescribing, you know, amoxicillin or Adderall or anything along those lines, but we are prescribing treatments, whether it's, you know, like different amounts of reinforcement on a different schedule or, you know, extinction or or whatever it is. Yeah. So we, I I always tell people, and I compare a lot of things to medicine because my whole life is controlled by medicine essentially. But, and I I compare to my friends who have gone to med school or dental school, hashtag Carly, um, or any of these things along the way. And I'm like, this is effing embarrassing. Like we're supposed to be I mean, we're still, we're, we're doing the same things. We're reporting to insurance. We're, there's no specific information that all of us are supposed to provide. There's no specific training that you've gone through a residency of some sort. I mean, what do you guys think as a whole? I mean, you guys are taking an active step in making a larger, um, like, I mean, if you could make one supervisor better, as you know, like the ripple effect is large, which we try to do at study notes too. But what do you think, like also the BACB, could potentially do as the certification board that could create more, because I mean, this is a genuine question I have, and I think about a lot that could create some more that could, do you see where I'm going? Like fix the problem of do like requirement. Standardize. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, for a science who uses database decisions, we're not using much data to make these decisions that people are competent to be supervisors or practitioners. Right. It's a lot of um, anecdotal and subjective measures to qualify. Yeah, to so meet we your figure test. Yeah. if we can't fix all of the supervisors, right, we can't make them do better. We can at least give the students an item that can protect them against poor supervision. So if you're not getting these things met and you're, 
you know, checking these boxes off and your supervisor's not helping you check those boxes off, that gives you grounds to report if needed. Um, it gives you grounds to hold your own weight to say, hey, I'm your student. We have a contract. I need to make gains here and you're not helping me. And so at least, you know, we can't fix all the shit, but we can maybe make it smell a little better, which is good. <laughs> there you go. Yulema, what's up? I love that. Yep. Um, but I think the BACB has been making some efforts. Now, um, master programs are required to have a course in supervision, which, uh, you know, wasn't around in my time. I keep giving that away. What the heck? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we get it. You're 95. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so I, I think some steps have been um, taken by the BACB, which is great. Now, it goes back to the quality of each um, master level program, right? And the quality of those supervision courses. But beyond that, what I think our work um, is establishing is um, at least letting supervisees know what the expectations should be. It's laid out for them. This is it. This is what the expectation should be. So if you don't have a supervisor who is at least providing you with this level of oversight and supervision, report them to the hotline, switch over to another supervisor, take advantage of the other resources that are out there to help you become the best BCBA you can be. So what I'm really impressed by that you guys have done is a lot of supervision books I've seen. Unfortunately, I didn't get my hand on your book yet because Casey never sent it. Um, but a, a lot of them are these books, and I own a lot of them, and they're written for the supervisor, right? And and I'm not saying that any supervisor goes into it like not wanting to do good work, right? But and but, but the way that you guys have focused it on the candidate owning this book and and or the supervisee owning the book, so they actually are able to hold the supervisor accountable, I think is first of all using your behavioral knowledge of like how are we going to, you know, how are we going to manipulate this situation? so that it's of quality because it does i mean obviously the supervisor should care because it's their name that is on this other person like or behind this other person gaining their license however i think you guys were really smart in looking at like who has the higher mo in this moment uh you know with like competing contingencies to have the supervisee knowing what to expect during their process of accruing supervision because what happens all the time is we get to like our one supervision class in the collective and everyone's like, like literally, usually our chat's pretty quiet during class. It becomes like a bitching session. Like, oh my God, I didn't know this. Fuck my supervisor. My supervisor sucked ass. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, you wouldn't even believe what my supervisor did. And someone's like, they didn't see me for three weeks. And then someone else is like, oh, well, they didn't see me for nine weeks. And the other one's like, oh, you think that's bad? And it's like this whole blow up chat. And it's like, okay, we want to hear about it. But please, like, we got to get you to pass this test because we have like our one goal right there. So let's go through what's correct. But these people are hearing it for the first time while they're studying for their boards. Like they're done with their supervision. So I think that's really, really cool that you guys have figured out like the, the source that could best fix 
the problem and holding supervisors accountable as well. I think it gives a platform to the supervisee to to ensure that they're getting the supervision experience that you know they deserve, that they're probably paying for. Really, that's going to help them both pass the test, but be good ethical practitioners because there's this visual display of I have demonstrated competency in this skill that corresponds with the task list, and they can visually see what they are not competent in. They can seek out additional supervision if they say, "Hey, supervisor, I don't know about direct instruction," and the supervisor says, "I don't either." Okay, who can teach me? And it gives it gives that um, you know responsibility to the supervisor, but it gives the awareness to the supervisee because I think a lot of people don't. It's the like in psychology, the don't know what I don't know. No, I think it's not on both sides. The supervisee doesn't know that they got a shitty experience until they hear from other people. Oh, that wasn't supposed to be like that. Oh, my person never did that. They don't even know. Um, and same like, for did the- you? I've heard like, and I've been experienced this. Like, you go through the entire supervision process, and then you've never even pulled out the task list with your supervisor. <laughs> It's like, what the actual F is going on? But this brings me, I want to also think of it. I mean, it also comes to negative reinforcement for the actual supervisor. It's like, dude, I'm so over being a supervisor. Like, let me just sign off on this, get them done. Or like if someone's trying to get their person certified for the RBT exam, whatever it is, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just sign off because I need them working. Like the truth is RBTs are needed to implement these programs. So it's like, let me just sign off, have them there. So you also have to look at these. And again, I don't think that people are going in to be bad, but, you know, like to be like, oh, yeah, let me screw over the system and get all these people in here. But we do need to be looking deeper at the contingencies that are making people act in these ways and provide shitty supervision. So the second half of the book, um, just to give you guys any like some behind the scenes, um, I'm, I'm just like so glowing because I'm like, all right, here I am. I'm going through my supervision and I... Like, again, I had no idea what to expect, right? So I wasn't able to do this. But now you guys out there listening have no effing excuse, okay? This book is literally going to be, you're going to go in and say, all right, today I want to do with my supervisor A1. I want to identify the goals of behavior analysis as a science. So description, prediction, and control. Great. Now I have score. There's assessment one, two, three. Your supervisor must initial it, date it, and score you on different criteria, all listed for you. And the scoring criteria details are there, right? And there's notes like, all right, I could explain uh, description with prompts after they did it. But then, you know, I was, you could even write in there like, oh, I gave a wrong example, right? And now I'll never make that mistake again. So it's literally, you're going to be never, if you're in your experience standards or you're an RBT, you're going to want this book wherever you go, whenever you have meetings with your supervisor to say, hey, and if your supervisor's not already planning this out for you, they're going to be like, oh, shit, they they mean business. Okay, guess what? Your supervision can't suck anymore because you have this permanent product that's going to be like, you must do multiple assessments on me. You must score me, right? So it's literally just insane. It gives me so much hope for the field and so much um, to prom- just, just to promote it and talk about it. Ulema, yes. What do you got? I got ongoing evaluation. This is what we do in research. This is what we do with our clients. Mm -hmm. This is what we should be doing with our supervisees as supervisors. Ongoing evaluation. What is this crap about before and after? What the hell? Mm -hmm. That's not what we do. Right. No. We do ongoing evaluation. So let's take the responsibility for our science and our field and stop doing crappy work Mm -hmm. that directly affects the lives of our clients time that they never get back ever Mm -hmm. go ahead hannah 
And on the flip side, because I know we get a little doomsday about, about shitty supervisors, but on the student end too, I've also experienced students who want the hours, but they don't want the quality. They want to get done, pass the exam and work and make the money. But when I would be done with supervision and Carly and Ulem and I shared the same feelings about this, where we would write on the final verification form, like I attest that the student completed these hours, but I do not attest that they are ready for working as an analyst. And so that's the good thing about, you know, when I would say that I realized I don't, I mean, I have some data to back it up, right? I have some permanent product. I have emails going back and forth where I'm like, I need you to participate. I need you to do these experiences. Um, to which I would always get the like, are they paid? Well, no, nobody had it paid when we did it. So don't even start with me there. But we want them to not just do a bunch of podcast listening, not just do a bunch of lit review. Those things are great. But I want to have like my student works the case with me right now. She's we're meeting at 2.30. She already wrote the programs because she put the data in and updated the graphs this morning. So now we're going, I'm looking over her work and saying like, yep, I like that. Or, you know, explain why you made that decision with that program. Now, this is a girl who's six months out from graduating. She's going to be ready because she's already doing the work. And that's where she's getting her hefty supervision hours from me is that she's doing these activities right alongside with me. It used to be that I was doing them and she was watching. Now she's doing and I'm watching the next step is going to be she's doing it and I'm just going to be like, OK, you tell me exactly what we're doing and I will sign off on it. Now, the cool thing is that if I ever have a student who's not so go getter, I can hold them accountable and say, you haven't made the the skill acquisition levels that I need to see. I'm opting out of my contract and I have the data to then back me up so that when the student ultimately will get pissed off takes me to the board, I'm going to be able to say, no, 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 I've had them for nine months and we're still on foundational skills because they don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. So it's also a protective measure for supervisors too, where even good supervisors wind up with some, some individuals who it's not that they don't want to do the work. They don't want to get the quality. They just want to be done. And I totally get that feeling, but go ahead, Ulema. And guess what, supervisees? You can now put these skills into the contract the supervision contract so that your supervisor has to actually go through and teach you all of these skills from the book. You now have a reference that you can say items A through I that are in this book must be taught as part of my supervision experience. Put it in the contract. Do it. And Don't that- be scared. <laughs> yeah. Get your shit right because this I didn't mean to do it. this is your future, your career, right? You want to go in and be the best and learn from the best and I know that a lot of people that go into this field are go-getters, are self-starters, are organized, are type A, you know what I mean, all that thing. I I'll, any BCBI meet I'm like, "Oh yeah, except for Liat, she's totally the opposite." But um I mean, it's just so awesome that there is this permanent product, like I said, and I cannot wait till everyone gets their hands on this. And it actually makes me want to go and be a supervisor or a super, like it does. Like I'm like, if I, and I know if you're listening and you're like, I'm the, I'm the shitty supervisor. I'm sorry. I'm just so busy. You don't have to be anymore. You don't have to be. You literally are going to have this book that you can just say, all right, today we're doing a one through a five, and you literally have the examples needed. You have the criteria, you have the scoring, you have everything. There is no more. You don't have to create it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already invented. Um, so I think that is just such 
amazing news for our field. Um, you ladies worked your asses off on it. I know you're already in the works of a second one, a second edition or something. Yeah, we collected feedback from um, the individuals who purchased the first edition. And we knew coming into it that this was a huge, huge feat that we're trying to do because there's nothing there. But as we all know with research, sometimes you just got to jump and it'll fail, which it was really good. We got a ton of really good feedback and we've applied that feedback for the second edition, hoping we'll come back and this will be, you know, the premiere edition. Um, and like you said, it's it's there to be an absolute guiding light for supervisors and supervisees. And some things we've added in the second edition are things like cultural um, competency ideas of um, add in other things. Like ladies, checking your biases, right? Yes, yeah. checking yourself for bias, how to monitor yourself ethically. Um, we did a lot of, we did an ethics revision because the new ethics code comes out and the wonderful Ulema spearheaded that and it's gorgeous and we're so excited about it. Awesome. Um, and then other things that we added were more aspects of, we go beyond the task list. So the first sections of the book are, they follow the task list other than we've just broken them down more. But the last three sections are professionalism, case management, and fading supervision. Those are not part of the task list, but they're part of what it takes to be a BCBA functionality-wise. And I think I heard it on your guys' podcast. Somebody said, when you pass the exam, you meet the bare minimum requirements to work as an analyst. Yeah. So those last three sections are specifically to target that issue of like, okay, so you can pass the exam because you finished this section, but you still need to master case management. And a lot of people don't have those skills. Yeah. I've met students who become BCBAs who have never trained an RBT in their life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. And um, the good thing is that the second edition is going to have some goodies for people. Hannah developed a um, flow chart for ethics that I think is fabulous. I hope people are using it now in the book. Um, so... We're going to have a um, remediation plan template. We're going to have a contract template. Um, so just a few things that are coming in the second edition um, for people out there who I know don't have time to be creating remediation plans or supervision contracts. And um, these were developed after our own experiences with things that we wished uh, we would have included in our supervision contracts ourselves. So live and learn. I just want to say props, like seriously props, because the the response effort, first of all, talk about putting your quarantine COVID year to good use. Like, I mean, this puts me to shame. I think I just watched so many hours of Instagram while you did this. So props to you. Second of all, I'm very impressed by the amount of response effort that this takes to put something like this together when I think a lot of people find it much easier just to shit talk the process and do absolutely nothing about it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you guys are doing this, I mean, I wish that you guys were able to see a visual of how many people it is, you know, the spread of how many people you're helping as a result of one person being a good supervisor and then the next and the next and just creating this awareness before people are the supervisors themselves. Because again, my biggest thing was like, I wish I knew that my, when I was a supervi supervisee, 
super yeah, – am I saying that right? Supervisee. Yeah, my brain's going whatever. That that was my only really training time I had. You know, I expected like, oh, there's going to be this whole new training, all this new stuff. And BCBA, they're like, ah, you're billing, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, billing what? I have nothing idea what I'm doing. I just passed the test, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a lot of it is – and I just – want people hearing this to know that make the most of your time that you are receiving supervision because you will never, like, they want you to get up and go when you are a BCBA. There's no no one holding your hand. You're like, wait, so who's going to be teaching me this? Who's, wait, so who's my supervisor here? What's going on? And it's like, you may likely be the one in control of everything when you get started. So really make the most of this. Like, to invest in this now, I'm going to tell you, get this effing book. And I promise you, we're not making any money when we talk about it. Casey, your eye is just exciting when we see it. And by the way, Casey has been having this like smirky smile the whole time. Like I own it. Like I saw her reading and like smiling, like you don't know what's in it. And you know what, Casey, if you don't send it to me, I'm not getting paid. I'll make sure you're not getting your pay next week. <laughs> I would, I'm, I'm switching. I, I actually did it on purpose because I wanted to be better at the podcast than you. She's so competitive. I know. Listen, you're never going to be me, whatever. <laughs> but anyways, guys, I really want you to go check this out. And if you are someone listening and coming to us for advice when you are, I mean, I think as a supervisor, you should own this too. Oh, yeah. Just to have your own You guy. should know what you should be off. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the book is made. I know I don't own it to hold. That you could, that as the supervisee, you could hold, you could write in it. You're going to get it signed by your supervisor. It's your copy. So you will then have it. When you are a supervisor as well, and hopefully you tell your supervisees when you're a supervisor, get the book. I'm telling you right now, I know you guys come to us for a lot of input and advice. These people are way effing smarter than Casey and I could ever be, and their attention is to detail is amazing. Go get the book. You don't have the choice. I'm telling you, you need it. There's nothing in it for me except for the fact that, I guess there is something in it for me, the fact that we might be getting less questions about what your supervision experience should be. I have a nominee. <laughs> I now have an answer. It might help us in the in the in the email um, customer service realm of this and Instagram realm of this. So please um, go get the book. It's in the show notes. And I just want to thank all of you guys for coming on the show. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah, Ulema, Carly. Thank you, you ladies. Thank you. Thank so you. much fun. We're just we're happy to share our passions. And we're happy you have this passion because not a lot of people do. So <laughs> it's really helpful. And I'm not and I'm not gonna say what, but we have something to look forward to. We are working with these three brainiacs on something at Study Notes ABA. I'm not gonna tell you what because you know I like to build up a little MO. Casey's the one who usually ruins that. Yeah, I do. Um, but I am gonna <laughs> tell you, Casey, don't say anything. And you guys be on the lookout. So <laughs> thank you all, guys. You know where to find us. You can find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast. You can find us online, behaviorbitches.com. You can find us on Facebook, Behavior Bitches Podcast. And that's all we have for you today. So as always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show 
without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 